So we're in a series called A Beautiful Alternative. Uh, a Beautiful Alternative is a series all about how you and I, as Christians, if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, exist to show the world a different way to live, a true way to actually be human, a new way to actually live. That's what we're called to do as Christians. If we have been set free, we can show the world a better way to live. I think it would be a stretch to, to say right now that the world is a free place. Okay, It would be a stretch to say that. You look around the world and we see wars, we see all sorts of corruption, we see all sorts of mess. Humanity is so enslaved to its own passions and desires. Okay, that's, that's really the story of humanity. We were so caught up in ourselves and what we wanted that we severed our relationship with God. So if you were to look around the world right now and you look at people outside of this room or maybe even some of us in this room, we'd be able to say, I don't think people are really free. It doesn't seem like people are living in the freedom that's available through relationship with Jesus. It doesn't look like people really have this inner click of knowing who they are and living that out in their life. I see people who are so chained to certain things in life. Some people, it's social media. You ever seen people? If they're ever in a queue, they can't stand in their own mind for 30 seconds. Straight away, it's on the phone. I've caught myself doing this. Or maybe, maybe it's something a little bit more sinister. Maybe uh, you found yourself in the past slave to addiction of some form. Maybe you have found yourself slave to fear in your mind or a lack of identity or really knowing and understanding who you are and who you've been made to be. So you see, the God that we serve offers us freedom. And I want us to look at what it means to be a people of freedom, to offer the world a beautiful alternative, to offer the world something different than it has for itself. So what we're going to do is we're going to read from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. So if you'd like to turn with me, Matthew 18, 21. Not, not for sympathy, but just for explanation. Gives me a little bit of leeway this morning. Me and Holly got back from London at 4.30 in the morning this morning. So if I, if I sound crazy this morning, come back next week. Actually, we're not even here next week either. Come back the week after and next week. Oh, we're preaching at another church next week. What? You can't heckle me from the front row. This isn't how this works. <laughs> I, I know, but all the, ro the rows of chairs are really far, so people have got to be able to see. She's heckling me from the front. Security, security. <laughs> Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. I'm going to read this out. I love this passage. It says this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to sell accounts with his servant. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 
since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Sounds very drastic. Verse 26, at this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you, treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Jesus is teaching us something really important here. And it's about the nature of freedom. And there's two dynamics that happen here when it comes to freedom and when it comes to us living our life. Two dynamics present in this passage. The first one is the upward, and the second one is the outward. Okay, two dynamics, the upward and the outward. The upward and the outward. So what I want to do this morning, I want to look at these two different dynamics. We're going to talk about what does it mean, how does it affect us, what can we do with this, and ultimately, how can we offer the world a beautiful alternative. So, the upward dynamic. We see in this passage, it says that Jesus was speaking with his disciples and his disciples essentially asked, hey, how much is too much when it comes to forgiveness? How much is too much when it comes to, like if, if a brother or sister or friend just keeps hurting me, just keep like, how many times do I actually forgive them? Okay, he's not talking about boundaries here, which those are very important when it comes to stuff. He's talking about forgiveness. How many times do I forgive those who sin against us? Seven times? Now in the Bible, the number seven is often used to represent perfection or wholeness. So it's like the disciples were saying, is that kind of like the number? If it gets to seven, is, is that enough? Surely that would be enough. And Jesus says, okay, let me tell you a story. And then he says, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, an infinite amount of times. And he goes on to tell the story. So here is this upward dynamic that Jesus teaches us about. It says in this passage that there was a king who wanted to settle up all of the debts that he had lent out. And it said one of, the, one of his servants owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Now, have you ever heard a kid exaggerate this? Hey, you've ever heard a kid uh, that says something like, yeah, it was a million, billion, trillion pounds. Yeah. Well, this is what Jesus is doing here. Okay. No one would have borrowed 10,000 bags of gold. And no one could pay back 10,000 bags of gold if you'd ever borrowed it. Okay. Especially a servant. So Jesus is saying there is a servant that has a debt of a trillion, billion, billion, trillion pounds. In other words, 
There was no way out. There was no way out for this servant. For the master, he needs to get his money back. So he's going to take his wife, his children, all of his belongings, his house, throw him into jail to recoup some of that money. In other words, the servant was going to lose everything and deserved to lose everything. Okay, He owed the debt. He deserved to lose everything he had to recoup, not all of it, but some of it. This was an unpayable debt that Jesus is speaking about. It says that the, the servant falls to his knees. He falls to his knees in a picture of surrender, like take pity on this is like the last moment. I can't pay this. I need you. I, I, I need some time. Do you not find that interesting? I find this interesting. We'll pick up this in a second. He asked for time. So it says the king found it in himself to have mercy on the servant. And he let him off. So an unpayable debt that he deserved to lose everything for. And the master just says, you know what? I forgive you. You are completely forgiven. No debt owed anymore. It's all sorted. Don't worry about it. And it says... It didn't say he let him off. It didn't say that he just sent him on his way. The Bible says he let him free. He let him free. Can you imagine this picture of the the servant with the weight of this debt on his shoulders, a debt that he knew he couldn't pay? And as soon as the master says it's okay, he suddenly breathes this fresh air of freedom that he maybe didn't ever think he would ever be able to breathe again. Jesus is painting a picture here for you and I, specifically to his disciples, but for us to see this, a picture of what it means to have an upward relationship with God. See, this servant that has this unpayable debt that deserves to lose everything, Jesus is saying to us, that's you and that's me. It says in the Bible that all of us have fallen short and are in desperate need of God's grace. All of us have sinned. All of us are sinners before we come to meet Jesus. And every single one of us is in need of God to cancel this unpayable debt. A debt that we deserve to lose everything for. See, you and me, our debt is our sin, our former self. All of that baggage, all of that turning away from God that we tend to do as humans. This unpayable debt that we could never pay. No matter how long we would try and do it, no matter how hard we would try, we would not be able to pay our own debt. But how is it paid for us? Romans chapter 5 verse 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still messing up, Christ died for you. Before you had it all together, before you looked like your life was all together, before you, you thought you knew enough about the Bible, before you went to so many church services, before you felt like you were better than other people that sinned less than you, while you were still broken, while you were still messed up, Jesus came and gave his life for you to let you off, not to let you go, not to push you on your way, but to set you free. 
When we need to understand freedom in our life, the beginning of offering the world a beautiful alternative as people that live in freedom is to understand this upward dynamic that we have first been set free. The upward dynamic is that Christ came to die for you and me so that we could have freedom. Side note here, I find it really interesting that this servant said to the master, okay, 10,000 bags of gold, the unpayable debt, the billion, trillion, gazillion. And he says, just, if you just be patient with me and give me more time, then maybe I'll be able to pay you back. The thing is, no amount of time could ever have been enough for him to pay back the debt. Yet how many times do you and I feel like, God, I'll come to you, let me just do a few more good things and then maybe you'll accept me. Oh God, let me just let me just try and get my life together and put everything in its place and then maybe you'll accept me and it'll be, you'll be more pleased with me. If you just give me some more time then. Friends, this morning, no amount of time for you to do good things in your life can ever earn you a spot in the grace of God. It is only always ever going to be the sacrifice of Jesus that gives you the spot in the grace of God. Nothing that you can earn. Nothing that you can dream of. Nothing that you can scheme and plan and strategize. There is nothing that you can do in your life to earn the grace of God. It has been earned for us on the cross and the burial and the ascension of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus bought us our place. How many of us ask God for time when all we need is him? How many of us say, God, if you just give me just a few more moments and then maybe I won't be as sinful. No amount of time will ever be enough for us to earn a spot in the grace of God. So what? What about this upward dynamic? So what? I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you're in here. And you feel like, I don't think I have that. I don't think I have that. Maybe I did at one point, but it dissolved and it, I don't know. It's just, it's gone. I don't feel like it's there. Well, there's good news for you this morning. Is that Jesus came, he lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again, he ascended. All so that you could have that debt paid. And all you need to do, like this servant, is fall to your knees in surrender. And just say, Jesus, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. And the beauty of our God stretches out his hand. He says, I got you. That's what the cross was. That's what the whole mission and purpose of Jesus coming to this earth was. So that when you and I can reach out, he reaches back and says, accept my grace. Something you deserve to lose everything for. He lets you have. He already paid. So this is, the, this is this vertical, this upward dynamic that Jesus is teaching. He's, uh, I, I always think with the, with the disciples, you ever been in, a, in one of those moments when someone's explaining something you're really not following? And you ask, and you say it again. And then you ask again because you really don't understand. And you're probably like three times in now, and you're like, I yeah, oh, I totally get you now, and you have still no idea. Sometimes I look at the disciples and I think, either they were really good at blagging, right? Because they ask a question and all of a sudden Jesus is talking about kings and servants and debts and, and money. They, 
Can you just imagine them all looking at each other like, what's going on? But the thing is with these, these parables of Jesus is that they've, they've just, they percolate in the hearts of the disciples and you see them later on, I get it. I see what he's on about. It's just the same with us, isn't it? We can listen to these things and like, what, what's he saying? You know, the Bible, the Bible can be understood. That's what, that's what study is for. That's what we're here to do, is to interpret the Bible and apply it in our lives. But it does just make me laugh to think that the guys who were around Jesus at the time heard these stories without any study or background and were probably like, what is going on? I'm sure they saw some mad stuff. So Jesus was teaching them the upward dynamic. And then he moves on to this outward dynamic. So let's see what he teaches us in this. So this is between the servant and his fellow servant. So between the two servants. So we see that this servant... He is freed from the unpayable debt. He's let off. He's free. He goes. Imagine that feeling. Again, humans, what are we like? He's just been let off this death sentence. He's got to keep his family, his kids, his house. You know what? He, I'm, I want to know what he did with the million gazillions. Like he's the richest man ever now. Like started Tesla. I don't know what did he do with all this money that he had. What does he do? goes and finds a servant that owed him. And check this out. That's what it says. A hundred bags of silver. Silver coins. A hundred bags of silver coins. In that time, that was a little bit of money. But it was not an unpayable debt. Okay? A hundred silver coins was not a whole lot of money like gazillions. So this is like this servant, he is let off from the unpayable debt. He goes out with this freedom, this skip in his step. And what does he do? You, you owe me a drop in the ocean of what I have just been let off from. And I need it back. And we see Jesus mirrors this story. He says his fellow servant falls to his knees. He says the same thing. Just give me, just give me some patience. And in this context, patience is probably what this, this servant really needed. It wasn't an unpayable debt. He probably could have sold a few things, put a few things together, understood things a little bit more, got some stuff, paid off his friend. He falls to his knees, give me some time. And this servant says, no. And he throws him in prison. Throws him in prison for a ounce of what he has just been let off from. So the other servants begin to mutter. They begin to talk. They begin to say, wasn't that the guy who took out the loan and was just let off and yet now he's here choking out his mate for something that he probably could pay for himself? They begin to talk and then it gets back to the king. And it says that the king pulls him back in. And he said, hey, I forgave you, yet you went out and you did not forgive someone who owed you far less. And the phrase he uses is this, just as I had on you, yet you failed to do with him. See, Jesus beginning to paint this picture, the upward dynamic and the outward dynamic. Jesus was saying to him, to his disciples, is that when you have been freed, 
When you have been forgiven, it flows out in your life to forgive others. It's not supposed to stop in you. It's supposed to move from this upward and flow outward in our lives. How is it that you and I can offer the world a beautiful alternative? It's when we understand these two dynamics. It's when our upward relationship with God flows into our outward relationships with the world. Not when it stops in us. Just as I had on you. I wonder how many times we could hear the voice of Jesus saying that to us. How many times have we treated others differently to how God has treated us? When the call of our God is to love others as what? As I have loved you. Yet how many times has Jesus said to us, you haven't treated them like that. You haven't loved them like that. You haven't forgiven them like you have been forgiven. It's interesting here, this idea to maybe get a little bit vulnerable for us this morning. People hurt us in our lives, right? And hurt can be a really, really difficult thing to process. And if we're honest, especially in the church over the last 50 years or so, not that I've been alive, but I've read books. Over the past 50 years, so we see this movement of this like hyper grace and forgiveness movement. And in essence, it's so good. Forgive people, offer grace to people. But sometimes we have sent people into some really dangerous circumstances with no boundaries. And it's like the call of God is to be a doormat for people in our lives to just consistently hurt us. That's not what this passage is saying. He's talking about freely and forgiven. Just a side note for us this morning. If you are in a place where you are being hurt consistently, I'd encourage you to check your circle. I'd encourage you to maybe reconsider some of the relationships in your life if that is consistently happening, consistently being a thing in your life. But what Jesus does for us here is he paints this picture of the payable debt versus the unpayable debt. Between this us and God, this upward dynamic, it is an unpayable debt. You and I cannot do anything but turn to Jesus. But then Jesus paints this picture between humans of a payable debt in the sense that there is nothing that anyone can do to you that is unforgivable. Now I say that with such a pastoral heart to say, I know things can tear your soul apart. And I know some of you have experienced some really, really dark and hurtful things. So to hear someone say, nothing is unforgivable. But in the system of our God, there is nothing that is unforgivable. Because here's the thing. Forgiveness does not mean welcoming someone back into your life. It does not mean the removal of boundaries and wisdom. But it means letting yourself off the hook. Forgiveness frees you. Yes, it frees the other person. But so often I see people dealing with unforgiveness. And for years, it twists them up and warps them up. While the other person that's hurt them has no idea. They're on living their life, unaware that anything has ever happened. Forgiveness frees you. See, and the fruit of forgiveness is what? We forgive. See, this upward dynamic, when we are forgiven by God, it's supposed to flow into our lives and we begin to forgive others. This whole passage is about Jesus speaking to his disciples and saying, how many times should you forgive people? 
let it flow. That's just what Jesus is saying. Let it flow. Take yourself off the hook. So often when we hold grudges and we think, oh, I'm going to hold a grudge forever. Some people are really naturally good at grudges. Okay, some people just have a natural thing. I'm like, how do you even remember that story? How, how do you even remember the details of what happened here? Like this is, if you got this in a diary or something. Some people are just naturally good at it. But the thing is, it's like backing yourself into a little cage, closing the door and being angry at the world. Well, the whole time it is just hurting you. Forgiveness lets you off the hook. Jesus says, let it flow. As you have been forgiven, therefore forgive. Side note here. This is just my brain, my my inquisitive brain thinking here. I always found it interesting when it came to the... um, to the unforgiving servant here. Because it says when the king needed his debts being paid, he was going to sell the guy's life, basically, and recoup some of the money. But in this, in this passage with the, the servant on servant, he says he goes to the jailer, he throws him in jail until he could pay. Do you know what the mad thing is? How's he going to earn any money when he's in jail? Do you know what I mean? I was reading this like, Wait a minute, if he really, really wanted his money, you know what the best thing to do would be? Set him up with an opportunity to get back. I know someone and you could work in this and do this and you're going to pay me this. Here's a payment plan. Let's work it out. I need my money. But he throws him into jail where no money could be made. This is the thing for you and I. Vengeance and that grudge that we hold is one of the most counterproductive things we can do for our soul. It doesn't even achieve the thing that we want. So often, I'm going to hold that good. I'm going to make sure that they know the whole time it is just hurting you. Forgiveness frees you from the hold on your soul. It's just counterproductive. It feels good. I'll give you that. It feels good, doesn't it, to sit there sometimes and, and be really angry and really like, ah. You know that feeling? But it's so counterproductive. It only hurts you. So I just want to touch on one thing before we move on here. So this upward dynamic, the outward dynamic, there's, there's, a, there's a, a kingdom movement. Okay? There's like, it's like a mechanism. It's a sweeping movement that happens. So it says, as we have been forgiven, upward dynamic, therefore forgive others. Outward dynamic, this movement, we see it. I'm going to keep repeating it so you get it because this is going to change a whole lot. When we understand that the, what God does in us is not to stay in us, it's to flow through us. But we'll get there. But some people ask when it comes to loving others, when it comes to this idea of a flow, what about enemies? Okay, this is something that isn't really talked about in church. You know how we hear it, we see people talk about love your enemies. Like, just love your enemies. Enemies is a really funny word for us. Maybe at the time there was actual enemies. But it's a really funny word for us to understand. I think at some point along the line of our faith, we seem to equate being nice and being Christian with being liked by everybody. And we think that if people don't like us, there's something wrong. Okay, if, if we're being, you know, a beautiful alternative to the world, all of a sudden, like a moth to a flame, all these people will be drawn to our kindness and our love, and we will live in a beautiful rainbow land of fun and cuddles, and that's not how life is. 
we know that's not how life is. Let me say something that could sound funny. It's okay to have enemies in this life. Maybe don't go looking for them. That's the only thing. Well, pastor said, that means you're going around looking for an enemy to say, do you want to be my enemy? Do you want to be my enemy? No, that's not the point. But it is okay to have enemies in your life. What do I mean by enemies? People that will oppose you. People that will target you. People that will do everything they can to belittle you and push you down and trip you up. Okay? So often we feel like, am I doing something wrong? Maybe am I not being kind enough? Do they not? It is okay to have enemies. Jesus says this. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then, love your, and this is in Matthew 5, love your enemies. How can we love what we do not have? Okay? People that oppose us is going to be a part of life. So there's no point going through life thinking, why don't these people like me? Why don't these people like me? I will say this. Do not give people a reason to not like you in that sense. Like I said, you're not going looking for them. But there will be people that will oppose you in your life, that will oppose the thing that God has placed within you. That as you are a peace bringer into your workplace, it does something in them that they just hate it. And they want to do everything they can to expose you as a fraud or someone who doesn't know what they're talking about or someone who doesn't carry the Spirit of God. Jesus says, Love your enemies. If you are liked by everyone in your life, you are probably not offering the world a beautiful alternative. If you are liked by everyone, it means there are some things that you are not saying at times that you need to say them. If you are liked by everyone, your life must not be in a place that agitates the sin in those around us. Your life must not live in, uh, be lived in a way that causes people to think there must be something different about the way these people are living. You will not be liked by everyone. The movement of Christianity is not a movement of popularity. It is in fact the opposite. Jesus, as he sends out his disciples, say, you will be despised for my name. I go down, this is so encouraging. Thanks so much. Glad I came. But let's be honest. People will despise the call of God on our lives. But our response, love them. How annoying would it be if you wanted to hate someone that just kept loving you back? Let's be those people. Okay? Again, caveat that. Have good boundaries. Don't be unwise. Don't go into situations you shouldn't go into. Love your enemies. But how can you love what you do not have? As you live your life, you are offering the world a beautiful alternative and agitating stuff that is within them. So as I come into close, crew, you can jump up. I want to say this, and then I want to say one more thing as I close. This flow that's supposed to happen, as we have been forgiven, therefore we should forgive. That is not supposed to stay with us. It's supposed to go through us. So maybe this morning you think, well, how can I action that? What can I do about this this morning? Maybe there's some people in your life that you know that have come to mind as I was speaking, as I was talking about things being unforgivable or bad. There's no sin unforgivable. Maybe in your own life, people have come to mind that have really hurt you in your past. And maybe today is an opportunity for you to let yourself off the hook here and to forgive. And there's a process in that, and the Holy Spirit will guide you and 
comfort you and lead you and convict you in those times. But maybe there's some people in here or spaces that pop into your mind that you know I need to surrender. I need to be free. Friends, your work, your workplace, your family needs you to offer them the usual journey of the sad life, the sad existence that it is. The thing is, God's the star of this upward dynamic and flow that he wants outward for them. As I close here, I want to just touch on this. tell this world about this peace that I have. I will tell this world about how my life has been changed by Jesus. This whole thing is supposed to flow, but I think sometimes we're really comfortable about the two dynamics. We're really comfortable in this upward one. I really like the church. I really like to sit in the church. It's comfortable. It's warm. I'm around my friends. I'm around my get to sit there and listen. I just get to take in what God is doing. What's this doing? Stopping the flow. Stopping the flow. The presence of God, the move of God that he's doing in your life was not designed to sit within you. It was designed to flow through you and impact your world. But so many of us are so comfortable with sitting in the church and it's stopping with us. My prayer for our church is this. God, may it not stop with me through me. God, may it not stop in my life, but may it flow through me to the next generation and the next generation. The verse I read out in the focus earlier is this, generations will tell of your story. Generations sat in church and just soaked in the presence of God and didn't do anything about it. That is not going to be the story of this church. We will sit in the presence of God and we will be commissioned out into the Spirit to flush it out and 